everybody, Scott Burnside back for the main event, the main edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. Pierre Lebrun joining me from his Muskoka home. How are you doing, Pierre? How are uh, we got some? We're going to talk to Gerard Gallant later. We're going to talk about the passing of a of a hockey icon, a hockey legend. But how are you doing? How are how are things going as we proceed? It's hard to imagine that you know, like we're we're heading into Labor Day period, right? In a couple weeks, we'll be at Labor Day. It's hard to think of us, you know, sort of now just getting to the end of the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, and I will say that I don't feel like the first round of the playoffs has been quite as intoxicating as a qualifying round, which might be surprising had we gone back and, you know, put a wager on that. I I don't think the hockey's been as good. Now, mind you, uh, part of my TSN duties for SportsCenter is that I'm commenting a lot on Philadelphia, Montreal, and that's I'm gonna just gonna put it mildly has been horrid hockey. So, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, and watching the some of the other series as well, I I, I, there's been some terrific moments. But in general, I think I'm surprised that I I feel like the emotion and the drama was a bit higher in the qualifying round. Although first round's not quite over yet, so we'll see what we have in store. Yeah, that's uh, that's true, and and I'd like to circle back to this uh, as we move along with this podcast. But let's uh, let's start just before Gerard Gallant joins us. Um, some you know terribly sad news in the hockey world. Uh, yesterday, we learned of the passing of uh, hockey Hall of Famer Dale Howarchuk, and uh, after a, a long battle with cancer, and and you know what really struck me, Pierre, is you know sort of the outpouring of emotion, you know, all over. Uh, in regards to not just what kind of player Dale Howardtrack was, and of course an iconic player for the Winnipeg Jets back in the day, but also you know as a head coach in the uh, Ontario Hockey League, and you know some of the players that uh, that learned under him, Andre Svechnikov, of course, and Mark Scheifele in Winnipeg. Uh, it just strikes me that, and I've seen this repeated a, a number of times, and it really does seem to to fit that he was the the humble superstar and I know you had a chance to chat with him for a fine fine piece you did on uh the 1987 uh Canada Cup and I wonder you know what 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 came to mind for you when you learned that that Dale had passed oh just so gut-wrenching you know um I got word over the weekend that uh things weren't looking good there and uh, just so sad and and you know then you're just waiting and it's just once you see the tweet from uh you know, from his son Eric, it's it's really sad and sad also because the last time that I spoke with Dale in early May for that Canada Cup piece, he, he was full of positivity. You know, he was eating again, uh, 
Uh, he was talking about that with me and, uh, you know, he was in a good place at that point. You know, you can't predict some of these things. And But I think at the time, uh, you know, he, he just, I mean, he, he felt, you know, pretty good about things uh, without, you know, knowing for sure where this was all headed. So really sad that it took a downturn after that. And, um, you know, I'm glad that my last conversation with him was, was a positive one. Uh, and he told... Uh, a heck of a story, which I know he's he told a few people that week about the '87 Canada Cup goal, the most famous face-off perhaps ever won by a Canadian hockey player, <laughs> and he you know told a story about going to Wayne Gretzky on that play. You know his line mates were Gretzky and Lemieux uh, on that, of course, famous play, and he went to Gretzky and said, "Do you want to take this face-off?" And Gretzky said, "No." And then he went to Mario Lemieux, and Mario Lemieux said, "That's the wrong side for me." So Howard said, "Well, I guess I'll take it then." <laughs> You know, you have this this memory of this iconic moment, thinking how much thought and planning went into that face-off. And then when you hear that story, you just kind of chuckle. Although, kudos to Mike Keenan for obviously having Howard Chuck uh, on the ice with those uh, with those two guys. But, you know, Dave Pullen, I think, said something great um, when talk about Dale Howard Chuck on, on TSN yesterday. He said, is there such a thing as an underrated Hall of Famer? And, and I think Dale Howardchuk was underrated despite the fact he was, you know, recognized, although not right away, as you may remember, Howardchuk was one of those uh, players that had to wait a bit before getting his, his Hall of Fame induction and deservedly finally got it. But he, you know, played in the Smythe division at a time uh, where, of course, you had the Gretzky and the high-flying Oilers, but if the Oilers weren't winning, then you had the Flames winning, right? It was it was tough for some really good Winnipeg Jets teams to make hay with those two franchises, you know, sharing cups. And uh, But people should not forget what an unbelievable center and prolific center and two-way player before two-way thing was, you know, was even an expression that Dale Howardchuk was. And, uh, and just a terrific guy off the ice too. So absolutely, will be sorely missed. Yeah, it's a, oh, I was looking at his stats this morning, and you know, of course, uh, fourteen hundred and nine points in eleven hundred and eighty-eight games, five hundred and eighteen goals. So you know, there it is. And and to your point, uh, you, you don't think of the Jets as being you know sort of what was their playoff history given that they had to go through uh, Edmonton for the most part and then of course a, a, a Calgary team that was nipping at the Oilers heels throughout that era but he had 99 points in 97 playoff games and um, I just thought if you get a chance to read it today Eric Dehachuk has a has a lovely piece on Dale uh, Howardchuk and uh, talked to Wayne Gretzky uh, but for me the uh, the quote was from Mike Keenan and you know, Mike Keenan had his own um, scare with cancer, and it sounded like Dale and Mike really kept in, in contact and had this sort of shared experiences. They were going through these health issues, and I, it sound Mike was talking about talking with Dale Howardchuk uh, in in recent weeks, and at one point said to him, "Hey, listen, you still got one more faceoff to win." And I thought that was a uh, that was a pretty important thing to say, given. The, what you just outlined, Pierre, is a, as a moment that all hockey fans, whether you're Canadian or not, all hockey fans should remember that moment. And uh, um, and I thought it was a fitting way to to basically say goodbye to to a terrific human being and 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 a Hall of Fame mm-hmm. player. Yeah, and it's just a poignant moment too uh, when uh, you know Rick Bonus is sitting on the bench in Edmonton before that Dallas Calgary game by himself yesterday. I don't know if you saw that, Scotty and. 
I guess caught on the he caught on a video tron the uh, Dale Howardchuck montage that they would show before the game and um, Rick of course Rick Bonus I played with Dale Howardchuck and and just breaking down in that moment and uh it's uh yeah hockey world is small and the relationships are really strong um, you know among people that have spent time together like that so that was uh, that was tough to see right on all right well let's move on and uh, let's let's bring in our our guest for today uh, former jack adams winner gerard gallant gerard thanks for uh, taking some time to join pierre and i today and uh, of course pierre and i were, were just talking about uh, dale howard chuck and and you guys would have I, i'm assuming must have crossed paths many many times of course uh, during the the heart of your career with the detroit red wings when the wings of course were in the western conference and and dale being in winnipeg for a long time before moving on to to uh, buffalo and st louis and philly at the end of his career Do, are there sort of dale howard chuck moments for you that you know either as a as a player or maybe you crossing paths after your playing careers ended yeah there definitely was uh I, I even even before that in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League when uh, Cornwall Cornwall Royals were a part of the Quebec League and uh, they beat us in Game Seven in the finals and then they went on to win the Memorial Cup and me and Dale are the same age we're fifty seven years of age both born in sixty three and uh, like everybody says about Dale you know he was a great 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 hockey player one of the best of all time and underrated a little bit but uh, and Rick Bonus said it perfect last night he's a better person and a better guy I didn't know him really personally I mean you. You met him in uh, after games or in the hallways. I never played with him, but uh, just an outstanding man. And then, you know, it's a, it's a real shame. He's a real good person and a great family guy from what I've heard from a lot of people. And, and you know, Gerard, I mean, he, he played in an era and put up these unbelievable numbers at a time when, of course, Gretzky, uh, eventually Lemieux, and, of course, Steve Eisenman, your line mate, were really the big three. And, and yet... You know, I think about this with Peter Stashny too, but Dale Howardchuck, who perhaps in a different era, he grabs more of a limelight, right? I mean, it was an unbelievable era for top centers. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like I said, he was he was a top, top player and underrated, and, you know, being in Winnipeg. And I, I know it, I've never had the experience, but every player that played in Winnipeg, and, you know, they love that place. And uh, they talk about being a Jet for life. And there's no doubt about that. But, uh no, uh, at players, you know, respect for Dale Howardchuck was outstanding. Just like I said, a great player, a character player, but the guy that played the game right and uh, just a good person. Good stuff. Oh, Gerard, you're joining us from uh, lovely Prince Edward uh, Island in uh, on the east side of uh, Canada. Have you been there, you know, since you left Vegas or since the pause started? Or tell us what you've been doing, um, you know, for the last five months or so. Yeah, no, I've been pretty much in Prince Edward Island. I was in Florida for a couple of weeks at our condo down there. And then we came to Prince Edward Island right around March 1st, right uh, and we sort of not got stuck here, but we sort of were planning on going back to Florida. But uh, then the pandemic hit and, and everything went nuts. And uh, so we've been here the whole time. And uh, it's been great, actually. I've had a lot of time with the grand, grandkids. And, uh, you know, since the weather's got nice, a lot of golf. And it's been outstanding. So the weather's perfect here. You know, that the, the COVID-19 isn't. Uh, I mean, it's everybody's cautious here and they're doing the right things. But uh, there's really not a whole lot of cases here at all. So it's been... Uh, Considering all the circumstances, it's been it's been great being here. 
Well, don't forget you were also a TV star for a day joining us uh, for trade deadline at, uh, at TSN back on February 24th. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I'm wondering, of course, uh, you know, watching the return to play, uh, Gerard, uh, your thoughts on what you've seen so far and been some upsets, and uh, but, but also some teams that you figure uh, would make a dent. Uh, what are some of your observations of the, of the playoffs so far? Yeah, 100% what you just said. I mean, there's definitely been some upsets, and I sort of expected that because, you know, everybody's not at the, the top of their games. But to be honest with you, I think the hockey's better than I thought it was going to be the first round. I mean, uh, a little bit surprised that they think the guys are playing hard and competing hard. And, then, you know, the tough thing is when the guys are off that long a time and, you know, they still stay in shape, but uh, you see a, a few more injuries here. Guys, you know, playing one day, not playing the next. So I'm sure there's a lot of sore groins and they're getting used to that. But uh, I expect the hockey to get better as the time goes on. I mean, there's a lot of rested guys. There's a lot of guys coming at a – it's like training camp, you know, the first the first round of the first playing round to me. And then after that, I think it's going to be real, real good hockey. So, you know, that surprised me a whole lot. I think some of the top teams will definitely move on. But uh, it's it's been pretty good hockey. Yeah, Gerard. I I know uh, when I spent some time with Alain Vigneault at training camp in Philadelphia in the fall, we talked about his time off between uh, leaving the Rangers and taking the job in Philadelphia, and how he really felt he stepped away from the game, played tennis, played golf. He he basically he was a hockey fan, but he wasn't doing a lot of studying and keeping up and making notes. And I wonder, since you're and I think we, Pierre and I both agree, a shocking departure from Vegas after 49 games this season. How What's it been like for you in terms of, you know, sort of waiting for another opportunity? Do you, are you studying the games or are, have you taken a step back or what, what's your relationship been like with the hockey, especially when you factor in the, the pause from, you know, for four and a half months? Yeah. You know what? The, the, the day I got fired, I got away from it for, well, up until the pause. I mean, I really didn't watch much of it all. I was a little disappointed in what, what happened, but you know what? I got away for it for about a month and then the pause happened. And now that you're, you know, you're ready to go again and, uh, you know, the, the play and uh, series started and now the playoffs are starting. So, you know, I'm watching a game or two a day and, and you know, you, you do a little thing as, as sometimes you watch the game as a fan and other times you're watching it and saying, you know, I like that system or I like what they're doing here and they're certain different for different teams. So I guess, you know, since it started up again, I'm starting to, you know, try and work a little bit and also trying to watch it as a fan too. So it's it's been good. And the only thing is, I mean, you can watch games from one o'clock in the afternoon till <laughs> two o'clock in the morning here in PEI. So, uh, you know, you try and watch a game or two a day. There's no doubt for sure. Yeah, and Gerard, obviously you still have, I'm sure, some close ties to some of your former players in, in Vegas, given the unbelievable journey you guys had there going to the cup final. And and mm-hmm. I know that some of the players talked about how emotional it was when you were fired the, this past season, um, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury in particular. What I do wonder, if, you, as you're watching now, is, is how do you think that is playing out to see Marc-Andre Fleury uh, for the most part now backing up. Robin Leonard's been on fire and knowing how yes. popular Fleury is in that dressing room. What's your, what's your thoughts on how that would be going right now? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a tough one for them. There's no doubt. I mean, uh, like you said, Mark's such a popular guy and a great character guy and, you know, but it's, uh, as, as I found out, it's all about winning, you know I mean? They uh, they want to win. They're they're thinking they're doing the best thing for their team, and that's they're tough decisions. You know, like I said, uh, I'm sure, you know, it's easy to look at it from the outside and say, why isn't Fleury playing? You know, he done this and that for them. But 
you know, they're on a path where they're trying to win every game. And, uh, you know, obviously they think Leonard's the, the better goalie right now. So it's a tough call for them. And, and everybody knows that. Every fan knows that. I mean, a thousand people asked me that question the last couple of days. And I said, <laughs> hey, hey, I don't got to make that decision anymore. It's a tough decision for them down there, I'm sure. But, uh, and like I said, Mark andre Fleury, there's no better person, no better guy. He'll support the team. And that's what he's all about. And that's why he's been a good pro for so long. Gerard, it, it's been a weird off season or or schedule rather we're not at it feels like off season but we're in the middle of the playoffs but in terms of teams having to fill spots uh, it's going to be fairly compressed once we get to the end of the playoffs early october has it been what's it been like for you as you look at possible landing spots for you i assume you'd like to get back behind an nhl bench uh, sooner than later and i wonder what that process has been like for you you know as we go through this uh, upside down schedule yeah, no, definitely. I mean, uh, I think of that every day, and uh, obviously, I want to get back and I want to be a coach again in the National Hockey League. That's uh, that's my goal. But again, if that happens, then you know somebody else is going to lose their job. So that's the last thing I want to see. But again, and keeping forward with it, you're trying to do your work. You're trying to get prepared and get ready. And I'm still under contract with Vegas until July 1st of next year. So any team that wants to go down that route has to contact Kelly McCrimmon and. You know, then they got to get the okay to, you know, to start talking to me. So hopefully in the near future, something's going to happen. But again, I hate to see anybody else lose their job, but uh, we'll see where it goes. Well, uh, of Pierre, course, the, the, the... Pierre, I was just going to jump in on you, Pierre. I do know that there is one opening where no one would have to lose their job. Uh, and uh, given your experience uh, with a brand new team in Vegas, and of course that magical run to the 2018 Stanley Cup final, uh, the Seattle Kraken, they got a new name, they got a great jersey, mm. terrific hockey ops group that's being built there by Ron Francis and, and the rest of that Seattle group. I, I think a lot of us have looked at it and said, geez, that, that looks like a good fit for Gerard Gallant, I don't want to put you on the spot, but it does seem like it would be a good fit for you. No, I I like I said, I'm definitely interested for sure. I mean, uh, I'm looking for a job. Uh, Would Seattle be a good fit? It'd be a good fit for sure. I mean, we'll see what happens, see where it takes place down the road here. But uh, again, I'm uh, I'm open, I'm listening, and uh, I'm waiting. So we'll see what happens. Right. And and before we let you go here, Gerard, one thing I know that some coaches like to do between jobs, and I think you've done that before as well, is you know go back on your systems and your philosophy and tweak this, tweak that, in part by looking at what's happening, especially at playoff time around the league. What are some of the things that that you think you're picking up on right now? Um, you know that you say to yourself, oh, you know what. Uh, you know, this worked well for me, but maybe a little tweak here, a tweak there, because the game continues to evolve, obviously. Yeah, definitely. And and you know what, uh, Pierre, it, it's a copycat league. I mean, you're watching other teams, you're seeing what they're doing, their systems and all that. And uh, to be totally honest with you, I'm, I'm real happy with the, the way my team's played. I mean, uh, I'm sure we had a little letdown there at the, in the middle of the season when I got let go, but... Uh, I like what we do. I like the, the way we forecheck, the way we play an aggressive style of hockey game. So... Would there be anything I'd change? Not a whole lot, but again, you like you say, you tweak things, you look at things differently, and when you get fired, you have time to look back and say, what can we do better as a coaching staff? And uh, we'll definitely do that. 
Good. Well, Gerard, it's been terrific having you. And before I let you go, uh, I, I, obviously you uh, you spent some time with family, but also spent some time working on your golf game. And I'm not sure if you've ever crossed paths with Pierre on a golf course. <laughs> is, is he is he the kind of guy that you could you know is, might be an easy mark, or are there uh, are there flaws in his game that you, that maybe he needs to be working? Oh my on? God! Well, if he would have played me yesterday, I would have took all his money yesterday. I was 79 PO yesterday, and, and you know Turk. I'm usually 89 or 90. So wow! It was, a, it was a good day yesterday. I'm glad we weren't playing yesterday, but happy for you. That's terrific. I, I, there will never be a 79 on my scorecard in my entire life. I can guarantee you that. And I think that's that's probably my last one too. <laughs> well, that, that, it, uh, Gerard, that that means you need to get back to coaching. Then you've already you got a seventy nine on your card. You need to get back to coaching and and, and turn your attentions to that. But a hundred percent, I sure hope so. That's <laughs> uh, great. Well, thank you for taking the time and and joining us and and chatting. And hopefully, we'll uh, we'll be chatting uh, and talking about uh, a new posting somewhere uh, in the coming days and weeks. But thanks very much for hanging out with us. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate that very much. Anytime. All right, uh, Pierre, that was great, and uh, sorry to embarrass you about your golf game. And uh, but I, 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 I am. I, I, I embarrass I, myself I, with my golf game. I don't need you doing it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back. We'll unpack a bit of what Gerard Gallant had to say, and we'll talk a little bit about the the ongoing playoffs and other other hockey news. But uh, first, we'll take this break. But don't go away. We will be right back. I love my high student loan payment said no one ever so you should check to see if refinancing with Ernest could help you lower your monthly payments checking takes just two minutes if you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Ernest if you've refinanced before with today's low rate environment most people could save by refinancing again Plus, there's no origination fee or any other fees. Plus, the internet loves Ernest customer service. They're rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. And now, you can get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with Ernest.com slash two men. Once again, you get $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at Ernest.com slash two men. Not available in all states. So visit earnest.com slash two man for more details. Terms and AMP conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations LLC NMLS number 1204917, California Financing Law License number 605 4788 303 2nd Street, Suite 401N, San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licensed states. I'm so fascinated to see where Gerard Gallant ends up because it, uh, I just it's inevitable, right? He's going to be coaching somewhere next season do you is, do you think that's too well i shouldn't say that right i think it's inevitable that he is an nhl head coach next season but he may not be coaching if it turns out that it's seattle obviously because he won't start for another season but it just seems to me that he is a guy who is destined to be back with an nhl organization sooner than later is that do you think that's overstating it 
No, I don't think it's overstating it. There's a couple of thoughts here. One, while I haven't been able to get anyone to confirm this, I, 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 I'd be shocked if Seattle hasn't already had some kind of conversation with Gallant. And by the way, it wouldn't just be him. I, I think Ron Francis is going to take his time and, and talk to a number of different people. But I'd be shocked if, if that didn't include him already. The funny thing is, Gallant mentioned himself, he's under contract with Vegas until next July 1st. So the funny thing is, in many ways, actually the Seattle thing would be perfect because, you know, maybe Seattle can work out the money with Vegas. But uh, there's a nice bridge contract situation there already, um, you know, from Gallant's perspective. So, you know, I'm hoping he gets a serious look there. It would make sense for Seattle to then. Having said that, the Kraken, you know, they're, they're, they're already right out of the hopper here, a different organization in the sense that I think they're going to really do things differently, think outside the box, uh, really analytical. So who knows who they're, you know, they, they may surprise us with who they end up hiring as their first coach. So I think you have to keep that in mind as well. But I don't know that you need to overthink it. I mean, I think Gerald Gallant yeah. was able to bring 25 different faces and make them feel and play like they've been together for years. What better recipe is there than that? So I, if I was Ron Francis, I I, I would hire Dragoland. I have to tell you. Um, wow. Here, here's the other thing I wanted to say because you mentioned you know coaches openings around the league. I'm curious because of the financial pressure that some owners are under with the pandemic. Yes. And this seems like a a weird thing to say. I'm wondering if you'll see fewer firings after the playoffs or in the off season than you might normally see. Because there are teams who will simply say, I'm not paying for two coaches next year. I'm not paying for the guy I just fired and for the new guy. Very simply. And I know that's not a great reason, not a great way to do things. <laughs> you know, the, the hockey performance should be the number one priority, not the financials. But let's be honest. I think, I, I think we live in a world right now where the economic pressure is going to be unbelievable, not just on you know, what you're doing with coaches and GMs, but obviously what you're doing with your payroll on the player side. So I, I think you have to keep that in mind as well. Yeah, no, I think it's an excellent point. I, and I do think it will be, those will be the hard decisions. And again, part of it, I think, is going to have to do, well, what what happens, you know, with these, with these playoffs that are going on? We got five games that are going to be played today uh, as you and I are taping this four of those are potential elimination games uh, we saw the Washington Capitals stay alive after going down three nothing to the New York Islanders uh, with a, a, a gutsy win on Tuesday evening and there are some interim coaches you know I, 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 my understanding is that back in the in the day that to Dallas GM Jim Nell, long history with the Detroit Red Wings, obviously, was very interested in Gerard Gallant um, back uh, before Ken Hitchcock came in before the 17-18 uh, season. So there is a you know possible connection there and a possible, you know, with Rick Bonus as an interim coach. You know, what happens in Calgary, uh, Jeff Ward is the interim coach there. That team now down 3-2. To the Dallas Stars, that like for me, that's the most compelling. Well, I shouldn't say the most compelling. That that series, along with the Vancouver, uh, St. Louis series, those are the two series for me that have been the most compelling in this first round and have had the most drama and juice. I think. Uh, I don't know whether you agree, but mm-hmm. it also. But those organizations have, you know, it's a lot riding on this playoff year, um, given some of their their uh, failings uh, or disappointments in the past. Yeah, and in Dallas Calgary, of course, the battle of the interim coaches, right? Yeah, <laughs> interestingly exactly, enough, yeah. 
And if one of them goes on to win another series or two, does that cement their future with their respective organization? Or do both teams move on? It's hard to say. I mean, you know that my favorite expression is actions speak louder than words. And, and the fact of the matter is the interim tag was not removed in either case, right? Uh, yep. At least not yet. But uh, hopefully for both Jeff Ward and Rick Bonus, that, that will be the case as time goes on. But yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, we, we do know that Jim Neal, um, you know, from our reporting back in the day, had, had talked to Gerald Gallant at some point in time. So some people have made that connection. And of course, the, the Detroit connection between Jim Neal and, and Gerald Gallant, you know, Seattle. And, and what about Detroit itself? Um, you know, I, I, you know, Blashill's back for another year, it would appear, right? Uh, in Detroit, the yes. Red Wings are rebuilding. But... And I like, by the way, you know I like Jeff Blashill, so I hope it's more than a year. But but again, the facts are this. You know, Steve Eisman Steve inherited him. Uh, the, the Red Wings are obviously in a full rebuild. You know, what happens there when when Steve Eisman feels his team has turned the corner? So, the, And again, I'm only bringing that up because as soon as Gerald Gallant got fired, people started to connect the dots between Steve Eisman and his old line mate, Gerald Gallant. But maybe the timing isn't right there for that kind of reunion. Who knows? Especially, again, because I think Jeff Blaschel deserves a fair shake, uh, you know, with a rebuilding team. So, all very fascinating. Uh, and I, I, I just know this. The proof is in the pudding. When you hire Jarrell Gallant, your team's automatically competitive and aggressive and entertaining. I mean, those are all real things. And, you know, the Vegas thing is so fascinating to me because... I think it was unjust for them to fire Gerard Gallant, but you cannot in any way second guess what Peter DeBoer's impact has been there. That's the strangest thing. Like, how can two things be be true, right? You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, uh, Pete DeBoer, all he does every year, no matter what team he coaches, is get his teams uh, deep in the playoffs. So, I mean, I'm of the theory that I think if Gallant had not been fired, that he'd be coaching this team into the final eight like DeBoer has. But at the same time, uh, Pete DeBoer is doing a heck of a job there. Yeah, no, it it really is. It's it is a fascinating dynamic because it. You're right. Both they're very different, right? Different coaching styles, different personalities, but both are exceptional at what they do. And and I'm with you, right? I mean, that Vegas team is, you know, they got down two nothing to Chicago in Game Five after you know, not putting them away in game four. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, actually Scott Powers did a great job for us in Chicago outlining his sort of, it seemed almost like this, maybe this is a bit more Chicago magic. Uh, no, Vegas said no. And Max Pacioretty back in the lineup there, my sense is, um, and Ryan Clark and I were talking about this yesterday, but the, our fine Colorado reporter, it just seems like we're building to a Vegas, Colorado Western Conference final. I know mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of a lot of a lot of water to travel before then, but uh, I thought that was a, an emphatic statement win by uh, uh, Vegas, and now they'll get a chance to rest as as we see what happens for the rest of the first round. Um, and, and that's my segue to ask you uh, the one team that we sort of you know I think are shouldering their way back into this discussion of well wait a minute let's not forget about a team called the St Louis Blues. I was just gonna uh, say that it's hey, funny that you, you went go, there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you and I have you know what they say about us, right? One brain, two bodies. So there you go. <laughs> Yes, and even then it's a stretch. But 
Yeah, and it's funny because uh, I remember being on the TSN panel last week when talking about Blues Canucks after the Canucks won game two. And it felt like that was an overtime, I think. And it felt like a boy, or the Blues digging a hole they can't get out of here. Um, and then, of course, you know, game three, another opportunity for, for Vancouver. And boy, have the, 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 you know, it really has changed in that series. Ryan O'Reilly has just taken over that series. And now I do think the Canucks, the young Canucks, are going to have a, an answer here still to some degree. But it's hard for me to think that the Blues aren't on our way now to a series win. I mean, they they finally showed up sort of just in time. It reminds me of Boston waking up just in time. But uh, the cup, the two cup finalists, and so yeah, all signs point towards Vegas, Colorado being the two teams standing at the end. But if you're going to pick one team that could derail that, it has to be the Cup champions. Yeah, I, I, and uh, do you feel any differently knowing now that uh, Vladimir Tarasenko has gone back home to, to have the shoulder shoulder looked at? I mean, who knows? I mean, he could he could certainly come back into the bubble, uh, you know, if the Blues do advance. But it it does seem like this is a team that is going to have to, you know, move along if they are going to advance without uh, Tarasenko. And uh, and now with Jake Allen between the pipes, it's it, it, it there is. There's been an, an interesting evolution um, to what Craig Berube is is doing and what he's faced with in terms of his personnel um, decisions. Yeah, it, it just makes them not as deep as they were a year ago when they truly f- rolled four lines like I haven't seen a Cup champion do. It, it reminds me almost the Blues the way the, the way the Blues trusted all four lines last year reminded me a bit of when LA won two cups in three years, don't you think? Like really trusting yes. all 12 forwards and, and getting some health too. It reminded me a lot of those LA teams and they're not that right now. I mean, the Blues, you know, could end up beating Vancouver and who knows what else they can achieve, but it's not going to be because they, they they have the perfect four-line depth that they had a year ago. I mean, you don't replace Tarasenko and I don't know that they ever really got Tarasenko back either. I mean, he just wasn't himself and... Uh, that's a huge hole. He was he had some big big moments uh, last spring for them in winning the cup. And uh, you know while he remains out, that's you know you can say all, everything you want, but at the end of the day, it, it absolutely affects their you know their balance throughout their lineup. Yeah, well, and especially if you are talking about playing, you know, at some point whether you're playing a Vegas uh, or a Colorado, both those teams just you know, just so dynamic offensively and, and that depth that you're talking about, both those teams possess it. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I know one of the things that you are working on and one of the things I was watching, you know, closely last night, you know, you and I both spent a lot of time in Washington over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, the Ovechkin era, um, and and really sort of watching Braden Holpe last night, uh, understanding that, you know, that that, when it's done, whenever that series is over, or if they mount the, you know, incredible comeback and they somehow knock off the Islanders after being down three nothing, when it ends for the Cavs, it's likely going to end for Braden Holpe as a member of that team. Just the dynamics and the flattening of the cap and the evolution of that team. And I don't know why. I don't know why it makes me feel emotional. You and I have talked about, you know, Henrik Lundqvist. What happens to him, you know, with the New York Rangers moving forward? Uh, lots of discussion now in, in Chicago. Corey Crawford, the UFA, can they find a way to keep him? It, it's going to be a fascinating offseason for goaltenders and, and, and really is, is in some ways going to mark, a, I think, a changing of the guard for, for some of these teams. 
Yeah, you got Cam Talbot as well, who's uh, pending UFA, who's had a resurgence and certainly played well in these playoffs for the Flames. And my understanding is that the Flames, uh, during the pause, uh, showed some willingness with Talbot's camp to see if they can work something out. So we'll see on that front. Obviously, the big two are Robin Leonard and Jacob Markstrom. Those are the two names that stand atop the UFA list, in part because of their age and their Obviously, they're, you know, Markstrom in particular has been a dominant, dominant number one the last couple of years for the Canucks. And I know Jim Benning will do everything he can after the playoffs end to, to try and figure something out with Newport. Interestingly, Newport Sports also represent Leonard. <laughs> so yes. the top two goalies on the market represented not by the same agent per se. I think uh, uh, Markstrom is Pat Morris while Leonard is Craig Oster. But nevertheless, same, same shop. So that certainly gives Newport a bit of leverage and power, don't you think, in, in determining where the where you know where the market is. Um, and I am going to write about uh, Leonard today. And, and my point is that it, it's going to be pretty hard for Vegas, no matter how this turns out. Uh, and he's you know he's done nothing but win basically since he got to Vegas, Robin Leonard. But their cap situation makes it that you know with Marc Andre Fleury still on the books for another two years at seven million, and really unless you think I'm wrong, still the face of that franchise in Vegas, that young franchise. Um, you know, Mark Andre Fleury is not going anywhere. So, and and they don't have a lot of contracts coming up. So unless there's a bit of a magic trick, which you never know, I don't know how much sense it would make to have a ton of money invested in goal. I mean, $7 million for Fleury, and I got to think Robin Leonard, well, who knows in the pandemic what the market is now, but he's earned himself... I would think at least six to seven million a year with his performance. But the big thing for Robin Leonard, and he's talked about this publicly, Scotty, is to find stability in his next contract. He's signed three straight one-year deals between Buffalo, the Islanders, and Chicago. And yeah. it's time for the market to recognize that Robin Leonard deserves that multi-year deal, in my mind, anyway. And I just don't know how well, that could be in, in Vegas. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a great point. And it's, I mean, you're talking, you could be, Oh, I mean, we do see these things happen occasionally. You know, that Robin Leonard could win a cup as a starter for the Golden Knights, and then really they might not have any room for him. And and through no, it's not even you know cutting ties. It's like we'd love to have you, but we, there may not be a, a way to to make it work given the flat cap and and all of those things. I I want to go back to Jacob Markstrom because I think it's such a fascinating, you know, it's a fascinating time for this Vancouver team, right? I mean they've. You know, handled Minnesota very easily. They've, re, you know, even if they end up losing to the Blues, that they have shown a lot, I think, and they will have learned a ton through this experience playing against the Stanley Cup champions. And even if they do lose, it, it, to me, it would be, you know, it's just such a hard time for NHL GMs. But for Jim Benning, you know, if some if somehow they can't keep Jacob Markstrom in the fold. You know, even like let's say they turn around and they sign Robin Leonard, it does seem it just seems like Markstrom has grown up with this team and really, you know, solidified himself as a, an elite NHL goaltender with that franchise. I don't know. It just it it would it would seem like he's an important person to keep in the fold. But again, they you know the the circumstances may dictate that it can't be done. Yeah, I mean the Canucks are tight against the cap, um, you know, but. You know, really cuts two ways, I think, in the way that in the end, I feel like the Canucks and Markstrom need each other here. I mean, where is Markstrom going to find a better opportunity, really, than this young emerging Canucks team that I feel with a few more moves and a little more depth can really compete for a Stanley Cup over the next few years? You know, he, he's got a good there. And part of it is how well he's played for them. But I'm just saying, 
you got to be careful here in terms of the grass being greener. Uh, and, and of course, on the flip side, you know, how does Jim Benning replace him? You, you mentioned Leonard. I guess that's a possibility. But really, re-signing Markstrom is a thing that makes the most sense if you can pull it off cap-wise and financially. So we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, there's a couple teams, I think, that have to head into the offseason thinking about upgrading their goaltending. Edmonton, for me, for sure. Now, Mike Smith is up, which helps things. But, uh, you know, Koskinen has another year in his deal. Koskinen has, has had some good moments. So I feel that if you can do a 1A, 1B situation with Koskinen, that, that would help Edmonton's fate. Um, you know, the other team that I think has to really think of it, and I think deep down they probably are internally already, even though they're as we tape this, their playoffs are still ongoing. But... I think Carolina has to know that a Mrazic Reimer tandem, even though they've had good moments, isn't going to win them a cup. In my mind, Scotty. So, yeah, uh, you know, um, I like, you know, I I, I could live with either Mrazic or Reimer in a one or the other sticking around in, in a upgraded tandem with, and I'll and I'll give you the name, I because I know there were discussions, although they didn't go too far, but. Carolina did talk to Robin Leonard's people a year ago when Leonard was UFA. Right. And, you know, a Leonard-Mrazic tandem, for example, I think significantly increases, you know, you got this amazing, for me, the most, you know, the the deepest blue line in hockey is in Carolina. If you can upgrade your goaltending and come back healthy next year, I love the Hurricanes' chances. And so... Uh, you know, if they come back with Mrazic and Reimer, and I should point out, both are signed for another year after this year, so it won't be easy to to break that up. You'll have to figure something out uh, with one or the other. But uh, if they come back with the exact same tandem, I don't. I just don't. We can sit there all we want and say we love the way the Hurricanes play under Rob Brindamore. We love their blue line and, and you know uh, everything else. But I I don't see that tandem winning them a cup. That's my opinion. Right, and neither of those guys have trade protection, so it does give Don Waddell, the GM, some flexibility if he if he decides to make that kind of move. And yeah, it is interesting about the number of teams. Like I was thinking about a team like Buffalo. I mean, Kevin Adams, you know, brand new in the GM role there. That team cannot, to me, uh, with all due respect to Carter Hutton, they can't expect to move forward and and do the things that they fans have been waiting now for almost a decade for them to do uh, until they get till they solidify their goaltending situation and you know so there's another team that to me okay how do you you know with these when you look at you know if you're going to go the free agent route i mean is buffalo a team that maybe you know uh, throws its hat in the ring in terms of okay you know being a player in that in that marketplace so there are I, mm-hmm. i'm with you there are teams that you know listen you just you know you ideally you draft develop you've got a young guy comes up that you know becomes your goalie like a carry price he becomes your goalie for you know five or ten years or whatever it is but you know if you don't have that you got to find it somewhere and uh, because you have zero chance of uh, of sustained success without it so i'm I'm looking forward to your piece because it is a fascinating part and again because well, let me ask you we'll close this out then do you think that the this derangeness of the schedule and and what will be a fairly tight off season does it does it make it better if you're a free agent goalie, do you think? Does it make it harder? Uh, I mean, GMs are going to be under the gun on so many fronts when when this playoff season is done. 
I think it's not just about being a goalie. I think generally speaking, it's not good to be a UFA this summer, this fall. I keep saying this <laughs> yeah, summer. Yeah, exactly. I, the, the bottom line is this: you got a frozen cap, and outside of the cap, you've got other teams that are going to say, "Never mind the cap. Here's your here, here's your internal cap to to their GM." That's what some owners are going to say. Like you're not spending eighty one five. Never mind about the eighty one five issue that some teams have. Your payroll number is seventy six or seventy five. I think you're going to see some of that around the league because of the the economic impact of the pandemic. So it's really not ideal for any of these top UFAs to be dangling, you know, as badly as hockey wise, they have leverage. I mean, who can't use an Alex Petrangelo or a Tory Krug or a Taylor Hall or a, a Jacob Markstrom? Of course. But at the end of the day, I think there's an impact when it comes to what teams can, can actually do. So we'll, we'll see. I always cheer for the players to make money myself, but <laughs> uh, the owners have plenty of money. So I'm hoping it doesn't impact the players too much. But, uh, but, but I think the reality is, is that I think it will. Like whatever figure that you might have had in mind for Taylor Hall and, and Petrangelo in particular back in February, I think has to be you know, brought down a notch in reality now come the fall, in my mind. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, guess what? You know, when you and I talk next uh, week for our full-on two-man advantage podcast, we'll be in the second round, and it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, between now and then, it, which teams are able to, you know, maybe get up off the mat or whether we're going to see a bunch of short series. Um, but it's going to be fun to see what happens over the next few days. And uh, so it'll be a new landscape and you and I chat next week. And uh, this is a, a good way to remind people that uh, not only do you and I chat on Wednesdays, but I, uh, I, I'm getting up every morning uh, other than Wednesdays to talk what's happened overnight, what's up for the next day. We've had uh, athletic writers from hither and yon, east to west, north to south, come and join us and talk about what's going on with the playoffs. So you should pencil that in for Thursday and Friday morning. It's up by 10 a.m. Eastern every day. And uh, you should also check out uh, Vancouver, still uh, trying to figure out Ryan O'Reilly in the Blues, as, as we noted. But Thomas Trance and Jeff Patterson have a new van cast after each Canucks game, only at The Athletic. And Jonah Siegel and James Myrtle recap another disappointing end to the Maple Leaf season on the Leaf Report at The Athletic. You should always check out our comments section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. And if you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage, you'll get 40% off your subscription. And that brings us to a close, my friend. Fine, fine work by you as usual. Right on, right on.